Hey, Lawn Care Nation, do you want to show the world that you're proud to be a entrepreneur? Well, why not sport the original Entrepreneur shirt, also now available in a hoodie, as well as my other original designs, now available on my new Teespring store, available for shipment worldwide. You can check them out at lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash merch. You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, the weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service, educational and motivational, to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success. Now here's your host, Julio Tomei. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tomei, and this is episode number 177, entitled Interview with Brad Bear from Copper Creek Cuts. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week, as always, and of course, for the questions, the comments, and uh, the uh, feedback that you guys have been sending through. I really do appreciate uh, all of that and all of the support. As mentioned there at the top of the show, uh, through uh, the introduction there, uh, I have a new uh, Teespring store, if I haven't already let you guys know about. Uh, So basically... Uh, there was uh, a bunch of you guys asking about uh, the t-shirts that I have, the entrepreneur shirts, uh, as well as uh, some of the other t-shirt designs that I have on Amazon, uh, and uh, that you guys uh, would like to purchase them, but they're not available for uh, those of you outside of the United States, uh, and that uh, Amazon does not ship them outside of uh, the United States. Uh, so even for myself, uh, with my own uh, t-shirt designs, I've had to uh, order them, uh, have them shipped to a mailbox in in the United States, uh, in Washington State, close to where I live, and then uh, physically go and drive over across the border, pick them up, and then declare them uh, at the border on my way back to Canada. Uh, so, uh, you know, and a, a bunch of you guys have asked if it was possible for me to buy shirts and then ship them to you guys. Uh, for, you know, so for me to go pick them up and then ship them and stuff. Uh, and of course, that can be uh, quite a bit of a workaround. Uh, so decided to uh, go ahead and open a Teespring store as well, uh, because Teespring will, uh, of course, ship worldwide. Uh, so the t-shirts um, and now hoodies as well. Uh, so if you like that entrepreneur shirt, you can also get it uh, in a hoodie now, uh, as well as uh, some of the other t-shirt designs, uh, coffee mugs, things like that, are all available now on the Teespring store. If you want to go check it out, uh, as mentioned uh, in that opening, you can head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash merch, uh, and that'll take you right to the Teespring store. Uh, so I just wanted to clear that up, uh, as uh, some of you guys uh, may be in the U.S., at least you, the U.S. listeners may be uh, wondering why uh, you know I'm opening a second uh, store uh, when I already have t-shirts for sale uh, through Amazon, and uh, it's mainly because uh, Amazon doesn't ship outside of the United States. So uh, basically, if you're in the U.S. and you're an Amazon, uh, especially if you're a Prime member, uh, you know, you can go ahead and order still through uh, Amazon and get that uh, free Prime shipping. Uh, but if you're outside of uh, the U.S. and you'd still like to uh, pick up a shirt or a hoodie or something like that, uh, then uh, you can head on over to that Teespring store. All right. So for this week... Um, super excited to get back into the uh, interview uh, process. Uh, I've got um, 
a bunch of people in mind. Uh, some of you I've already reached out to uh, about doing interview episodes. Uh, so I started out here with uh, Brad Bear uh, from Copper Creek Cuts out in Florida uh, as the first interview uh, that I'm doing for this uh, winter off season. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't know if you guys remember me discussing uh, the interviews at the end of the last round that I did uh, back uh, in the spring, uh, just before the season started and having some audio issues with the way that I record interviews, the software that I use uh, that basically um, it lets me record each person independently and then gives me uh, the files at the end. Uh, this has been causing a bunch of issues with uh, what they call audio drift. Uh, apparently, this was supposed to be taken care of. Uh, during the season while I was working, I was getting emails, uh, saying that, um, you know, the software company had fixed uh, the issues. Well, uh, you know, first interview uh, in uh, almost a year and uh, still all the same issues present. Uh, and, uh, you know, the um, episode uh, drifting because it's recording two separate files. Uh, and uh, once you put them together, they just don't seem to line up. Uh, and uh, so I've had to spend uh, a few hours here editing this episode to get uh, the conversation uh, edited uh, and lined up uh, throughout the whole episode, uh, it would constantly go out of sync and out of, uh, uh, it would go through that audio drift. So I did the best that I could. I think it sounds pretty good. There may be the occasional, um, you know, thing where, uh, you know, you can kind of hear that, uh, the response to a question or something just doesn't quite line up. Uh, that I may have missed. I think I got uh, it all and, and, and it all sorted out. But um, moving forward, I'm going to, with the next uh, interviews that I try, I'm going to be trying some different uh, pieces of software, some other alternatives. Um, so there may be... Uh, the nice thing about uh, the software that I was using up to this point was that it, uh, because it recorded independently on uh, each person who was talking uh, their own computer, and then it would uh, upload the files at the end, it was giving you um, really good audio quality. So it sounded like you were in the same room as opposed to, say, just recording um, like Skype audio um, on my end of uh, both people where it isn't the greatest. Um, but I may have to go that route, so I'm going to be trying some different um, types of uh, meeting recording type softwares um, that record both sets of audio as one track uh, on my end, as opposed to recording each person separately on you know each other's computer, uh, and then merging those uh, files together after. Uh, so the audio quality might dip a bit with the interview episodes, but, um, will sound more natural because they'll be recorded, uh, under the same file. So, uh, just bear with me with the next few episodes uh, that I do if, uh, you know, episodes that are uh, interview-based episodes as I may be trying different uh, software um, approaches to doing them uh, to try to minimize the amount of time required uh, for the editing process. Also, <clears throat> I will be... Um, thinking about doing something a bit different with the interview episodes moving forward. Uh, so, uh, stay tuned for that and I'll let you guys know, um, you know, with the next few episodes, uh, if, uh, that part of it, uh, that idea that I'm thinking of, uh, works out as well. So, uh, without uh, further ado, I'm just going to play uh, the podcast announcements and then we'll get into, uh, the episode, uh, interview with Brad Bear right after this. So stay tuned. 
Hey guys, if you have any questions or comments about the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash contact. For you Instagram users out there, be sure to follow me at Lawn Care Business Success. And if you haven't checked out my videos yet, well, what are you waiting for? Be sure to subscribe to the Lawn Care Business Success YouTube channel. Now, I know you guys love listening to audio while you work as much as I do, so I've partnered up with Audible to offer you guys a free 30-day trial and two free audiobooks of your choice. There's no long-term commitments, and you can cancel any time. And get this, even if you cancel during your free trial period, you still get to keep the two free audiobooks. It's a great way to try the service and to see if Audible is right for you. So why not give it a try? Head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash audible. Now back to the show. Okay, so I'd like to welcome Brad Bear to the show. Hey, Brad, how's it going? Good, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much for uh, taking time out in your day and uh, coming on to the podcast for an interview. Absolutely. We had a bit of a conundrum there while I was trying to work out the time difference between us and you had to give me a little <laughs> geography lesson about <laughs> not to come across as a stereotypical uh, United States guy who doesn't know where anything is. But <laughs> That's all right. We figured it out. It all uh, worked out. Um, so let's just get uh, right into it. So maybe tell us a bit about yourself and your business. Sure. So I'm located in Northeast Florida. Um, I might as well be South Georgia. Anybody who knows Kind of the cities around here, Jacksonville is the biggest one in my area, so I'm an hour west of there. A very small rural town, and I started my business January 2017, or 2016, excuse me. And okay. that was, um, you want me to get into kind of the, the history of it? Sure. So I initially worked for Florida Blue, which is Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Florida. They had okay. a program on the campus of the high school I went to where I could, as I was a student, I could actually go for a couple of my classes and work there. So oh, okay. that worked out really good. I was there my junior and senior year, and then I went on full-time once I graduated. A uh, few years of that, and I met my wife, and we got married and started having kids. And so I started doing that work for Florida Blue in 2006, and then ended up retiring, quote-unquote, in 2015, that was after our second child was born. And, you know, when we looked at my wife's earning potential, both current and future, hers was, was larger than mine. So it kind of just okay. made sense for me to be stay at home dad. And that's what I ended up doing uh, until 2017 when the kids are a little bit older and didn't need as much, you know, hand holding. So I could yeah. kind of get out of the house whenever my wife got off work. Okay. <clears throat> sounds uh similar to me and uh when I started with my lawn care business it was sort of the same uh scenario with my wife and her job and she had a very steady job and full benefits and uh, all that sort of stuff and it was like well I guess we'll uh, uh main, mainly rely on you for the moment and uh for, so I you know get some extra time for myself to figure out uh, what I want to do and can uh, you know have the luxury I call it of uh being able to experiment with this whole you know entrepreneurship and lawn care business and all that sort of stuff right and uh, luckily uh it worked out and and being able to uh walk the kids to school and uh I proudly 
they say, I walked my kids to school every day till uh, uh, they finished uh, grade seven and went to high school. I was still walking. <laughs> my goodness. Walking. <laughs> You're a better man than I am. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I could do it. I guess it depends on how far away the school is, but ours is driving yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, ours is not not too far. <laughs> um, so I take it now that your lawn care business um, is uh, your uh, main income um, for yourself. It's not like a side hustle or anything. Well, so I, we're actually very fortunate that, you know, my wife, even when I retired in 2015, her income was enough to pay all of our bills and, you know, still meet our savings goals and all that stuff. So for, yeah. for these past two years, I've been very fortunate, not only for that, but for her support where she's allowed me to, uh, you know, this money that's coming in, she's she's letting me put it right back into the business without demanding that, you know, no, that needs to go to the household funds, which which is something we talked about at first. and. You know, I was kind of blown away with how supportive she was about, uh, you know, letting me do that because it I, I do think there can be in that dynamics. I don't know if resentment is the right word, but, you know, mm-hmm. if if she's working very hard for the family and and all the money that she's getting is going into the household budget and then she sees me and, and all the money I'm getting is to, you know, buy a new enclosed trailer or, you know, get a new Bobcat mower or, you know, all the stuff yeah, that's yeah, real yeah. fun for me. I think that could be kind of challenging, but she's, she's handled it really well. So, so thankfully uh, we don't, you know, depend on any of that to, to pay bills or anything. The, the thought process is down the road, you know, uh, maybe the kids can help out once they're old enough. And if it's something where, we can grow it to a point where she can drop down to part-time work and have more time for the family. That would be ideal. But for at least now it's uh, we haven't really had to use it for household. It's just everything we've been making in it. We've just put and putting right back into the business account. Okay. <clears throat> that sounds uh, really uh, good. Very uh, a supportive wife. It's um, my wife is uh, uh, similar to, to that as well. And it's always, like you say, it's always that um, I, when you were talking about the, the, you know, the possibility for resentment mm-hmm. and stuff, I was like, I, I know what you're talking about because I always <laughs> think the same thing about her, right? She's out there working. She has to leave so early in the morning to go to work uh, for her job and she comes home late and all that. And she still, you know, is doing stuff for the family and all that. And I'm always, you know, you know, am I, uh, you know, make sure that you're, uh, you know, showing her that you appreciate everything that she does. And uh, the fact that she's always uh, supporting uh, all of, uh, you know, my efforts and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that kind of hit home. So when you were saying that, I was like, Hey, this uh, sounds like I'm interviewing myself for a minute. there. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you know what questions to ask then. There you go. <laughs> but no, absolutely. So, well, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah. I was just going to say, and and I don't want it to seem like, um, you know, all I ever do is hoard it in the business account. There's lots of times where I'll, uh, and let me be clear, I'm not saying these are business expenses, so don't sick the IRS on me. But But what I will do is, you know, from that business account, you know, take her out to eat somewhere nice or, or, uh, or get her some kind of present. Now I I know you might have some people say you can't do that. So just to clarify, I'm a sole proprietor, so I don't have to have, uh, you know, separation of church and state quite like you do with the, the LLC. So that, you know, that's a little bit different where I can just do that because I'm a sole proprietor and they don't have those rules about, business and personal accounts. But yeah, so anyway, she does benefit from the Copper Creek Cuts business account from time to time. 
Okay. <laughs> so, um, what first attracted you to the lawn care industry and uh, made you want to start your own business? I had actually gone through, um, my wife got to calling them two week projects because, you know, while I was at home with the kids, I would try and, and come up with some way that, you know, maybe could generate some income and not saying that I don't like staying at home with kids or that, that dads can't do it. But I do feel like, um, there might be some difference between men and women where, uh, a man still needs to feel like he's producing and contributing in some some way that's that's more mm -hmm. than just the child care. Maybe that's a generalization. That's how I felt. So I, I kept trying to come up with these different ways of of things that might make sense, and and none of them ended up working. And then, um, you know, my wife Kendall had had said something about suggesting lawn care because I took care of the lawn here, and and so I said, you know, that might not be a horrible idea. And so from there, I kind of got turned on to just by searching the uh, the lawn care community on YouTube, and so watched that for. I don't know, maybe six months or so before I finally decided, you know what, this might be something I would like to get involved in because I had learned a ton from YouTube. So I already felt like, you know, I had a much better knowledge than anything else I had tried before. And uh, so that's that's kind of how it got started. Okay. <clears throat> so um, do you, uh, I gather um, from what I've seen from your YouTube channel, and we'll get into your YouTube channel in a little bit, but um, it looks like you're a um, single owner operator. Yes, sir. Um, that's right. Have you considered employees or is that just something that you're not uh, interested in? Not at this time. And it's just because, um, like I said, I work around my wife's schedule. So what that ends up, you know, the, the medium that we found that works for us where she doesn't feel resentful from the time aspect that I'm spending away from the family is usually I'll mow on Mondays and Fridays once she gets off work in the early afternoon. And then okay. uh, rarely there will be, well, I say rarely, you know, maybe on average half of the weekends I'll work as well. So okay. the, uh, the workload that I have kind of supports that that time schedule we've blocked off where I don't really need any kind of help. I mean, it would be nice, but it's not something where, you know, the finances of it make sense to do it legally and have to do workman's compensation and all that. The, the headache and the obstacle of it and the cost of it is just something I haven't felt like uh, it would benefit me more than that. Okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, that sounds that's similar to me as well. Just sort of uh, working, um, you know, with the the time that I have, especially as the kids were growing up, and you know, I was responsible for picking them up after school and stuff. I had a very limited uh, amount of hours between the time they were at school and time needed that they needed to be picked up. Is how I scheduled all of my mowing right. uh, and all of that because it was like, okay, it's you know, they were off some days. Uh, it was at two thirty, so by two o'clock, I had to be finished uh, the mowing and stuff and and ready to go pick them up. Uh, so I had very, uh, you know, short hours. And, and part of that made me really love lawn care because it was like, like, you know, I could be, you know, I could be making so much more money just working in those few hours than if I was working, you know, a part-time job at the mall or, you know, something like that, you know, some other regular job working eight hours. And I was like, you know, I can make so much more money compressing it and without employees, um, I don't have to worry about lunch breaks and coffee breaks and things like that, that are mandatory when you have an employee. Um, because for me, I, you know, I'm compressing the day. I'll just work straight through uh, in those four or five hours and do 
everything that I can uh, and get it all done uh, in that short amount of time. So yeah, with me too, it just never worked with the, the employees. It was just, I never had a desire for it. Um, so yeah. And what you said, that's a good answer to, you know, why I like the idea of lawn care that I didn't think of when I was in the middle of answering it. But when I was looking for, for other stuff to try and support the family, the schedule was the biggest thing, right? So it, you Mm -hmm. know, unless it was something where I was going to be doing third shift work where I was gone in the middle of the night and, you know, my wife was staying at home with the kids while everyone was asleep, it didn't really make sense for any type of employer employee based relationship so that's where you know obviously uh empl- or self employed came into play and then from there that kind of narrowed down the field and when my wife suggested looking at lawn care it was something where well wait a second that does lend itself really nice to making your own schedule and you know as long as you get the work done when they're thinking then so that's a, that's another very good point that you made yeah, the um, that uh, part of it is uh, has always been um, probably one of the biggest pluses for me as far as the lawn care business goes is just that uh, schedule freedom of uh, you know being able to you know schedule the days that you want to work, do it when you want, what time you want, all that sort of stuff. So uh, that leads me into the next question, and this is a question that I've asked every uh, person that I have interviewed on the podcast, and it's probably my favorite question because it's seems simple and when you ask a um a normal non um entrepreneurial person this question they always think it's uh the same answer but when you ask an entrepreneurial person i always get a different answer man you really um, had that question up i'm i'm nervous about answering <laughs> it now it's a lot of pressure <laughs> And uh, and it's partly why this uh, podcast is called what it's called, and that is how do you define success? So for me, and, and my wife and I have talked a lot about this, not necessarily in relation to lawn care, but just over the course of our relationship, where you know we both we're both on the same page with what we want for the future of our family. So success for us is going to be having jobs that cover our basic needs. So, you know, our mortgage, our, our car payments or, you know, whatever we have going on lets us save a little. And then from there, the next biggest thing is how can we spend the most time with our family? So, uh, you know, I live across the street from my mom and dad. So with them, but more importantly, our kids, because I, I really feel like, um, you know, not to get off on a tangent about how the world is today, but I, I feel like one thing that's important when you're raising your kids is being there and being present yeah. and being a part of their lives. So success for us is going to be some combination of jobs where she and I can not only have time together, but be present with our kids, especially, you know, my daughter's five and my son is going to be four soon. So it's not as critical now, but I think once they get into those tougher teenage years, it's it's really important for for them to have us around. So that's kind of what what success is like for us. It, the the monetary aspect is only going to be to where our needs are covered, and you know we we can save up whatever we have for our goals. Um, but beyond that, we don't care too much about it. And just being around for for our kids is kind of what's the next most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. And that, um, there again, it just proves my point about that question, um, about, uh, you know, everybody's uh, answer being different yet. If you were to ask, you know, a normal non-entrepreneurial person, um, you know, walking down the street, that question, uh, it usually nine times out of 10 leads to, uh, making lots of money. Well, and um, 
I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. Um, but it's a good point because like you said earlier, this is a field where, you know, it's not impossible to make uh, double, triple, quadruple the normal hourly rate of what some people who are, who are striving for financial success can make because of just the nature of it. So I think once once you get into this field and you realize that Yes, you can make a lot of money if you work very hard and apply yourself, but you can also make just enough on a much shorter schedule than that 40-hour work week that, you know, most people are used to. So it's it's a really good point about, um, you know, the amount of work that you put in and, and the the higher, I guess, ratio of income might be the term that you have with this lawn care field. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, with you now doing this uh, for a few years now and sort of, um, you know, it wasn't ever your um, long-term plan or goal to go into uh, lawn care or be self-employed, what is your favorite thing about being self-employed? I think what I really like, and this this is something that became evident after I posted a, a video a month or two ago, but what I really like is the ability to, and I hope this doesn't put me in a, in a bad light or like I don't enjoy hard work because I do, but I really like being able to pick and choose my work. So there, mm-hmm. and I don't know if this is going to get into the YouTube channel bit of it, but it's just about this specific video. There is a video I posted and I intentionally worded it a little bit so that, you know, people would want to click it. It was titled, I quit this job in less than a month. And it was basically, okay. it was, you know, me doing a point of view camera on this yard. And in the video, I described the reasons why after service in this yard three or four times, I realized that it was just not enjoyable. So there were things like there were a ton of cracks in the sidewalk and they all grew, um, you know, grass. So that had to be maintained. The, the sidewalk itself was very low. So there were a couple low spots and the yard itself held water. So every time it rained, there was a lot of low spots that I had to string trim around. I couldn't mow them. It made a take longer. It made the yard look worse because, you know, there's tire tracks everywhere. They had a gate put in and they didn't give me a key. So that would have had to been something that I would have had to contend with, you know, working my schedule around when they're home. The backyard, half of it was patio and so with a pool. So I had to be real careful about blowing. And if I got pine needles in the pool, I had to fish them out. And the other half of the yard was, you know, underneath a bunch of shade trees. So it was nothing but weeds that I had to string trim. So it was just this huge death by a thousand cuts almost kind of scenario where Mm -hmm. I realized I did not like this job. So I told them, you know, unfortunately, after today, I won't be able to service your yard. I I gave them the last cut free. And the last cut was actually, you know, when I figured out that they had that uh, gate that I wouldn't be able to get a key to the lock gate. And in that video, there were so many negative responses, and I completely understand why, but people who, who, you know, attacked my work ethic for that. When I said many times in the video, you know, it just all boils down to I wasn't happy doing this work. And if I'm not happy and I only have a limited number of hours to work, why would I keep this job? So that's something mm-hmm. that meant a lot to me that I I really like being able to pick and choose work, not only because of how it makes me feel, but I realized that I think most of those negative comments were from homeowners who might be employees themselves or other lawn care employees 
who didn't have a choice about picking which yards they worked on, right? Because their bosses, they yeah. pull up and yeah. this is the yard we're going to do. So it's something that not only makes me feel really fortunate um, and empowered, but it's also something that I think a lot of people don't have in this world. And because of that, mm-hmm. it's something that, that I value even more, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It does. Um, I was, uh, for the first uh, few years in my uh, lawn care business, I struggled with that sort of uh, idea of, you know, firing a customer or um, not taking on work because in the beginning, you're just like trying to do as much as you can. Um, But, uh, you know, as the years have gone by, and especially this year, um, I've talked about on the podcast how it was my busiest year to date in 13 mm-hmm. years. Um, just it was like insanely the phone just would not stop ringing. Um, and I just took that uh, and took that freedom of being able to say, OK, you know, if there was something, you know, that I didn't like about a yard or anything like that, that, you know, this was the year, um, you know, and I would have, uh, traditionally you get customers that call you in the spring and they want lawns cut when the growth is like super heavy, but then as soon as it kind of slows down a little bit, you know, they're calling you to tell you that, you know, there's no more, uh, that they don't need you anymore, that they don't want you anymore. Right. But they expect to call you again in the fall when it gets, hard again, you know? And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm not doing that anymore. Right. It's, I only want customers because I'm only focusing on a limited amount of customers. You know, if I'm saying yes to you and my schedule is full now, and that means I'm saying no to potential other customers who are interested in having me do full service for them all year long. Uh, and then you're turning around and after a month or two and saying, you know, I don't need uh, your help anymore, but I'll call you in the fall. So I started joking around about, uh, you know, to myself, um, I, you, I'm not sure if you uh, ever watched Seinfeld episodes. Oh, yeah. Um, I've rewatched yeah. that series several times. Yeah. <laughs> so I started to think of myself as the soup Nazi. Uh-huh. And, any, and anytime, you know, a customer would be like, you know, I don't need your and I'd be like, no long cuts for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And, you know, and if no matter what they wanted after, if they wanted to come back or they be like, nope, you right. said you didn't need me. So you don't need me. You know, now <laughs> you're starting to see how reliable I, like I was, how easy I made it for you with credit card payments and all that sort of stuff. And now, you know, you want to come back or something. It's like, sorry, I've got a. I told you I have a limited amount. Once you give up that spot, that's it. Right. If I fill it, then, um, you know, there's no there's no coming back unless a spot opens up later on but then you know you'll be put on the list so i started really taking that freedom of saying yeah it's uh this is how it's going to be this year uh and uh i've really enjoyed that, <laughs> that part of it i have to say yes uh, and and i do feel like i need to make one clarifier cuz i'm not sure what your audience is comprised of but i, I do want to say that one of the things that that makes that possible is the fact that I'm in a situation where I do not depend on this income to support my family. So I I do think that if it were a little bit different and let's say, you know, my wife didn't have any job at all, I can completely understand that. And this was what another batch of negative comments on, you know, this thought process was, was people who, who didn't have that opportunity. So if you're, you know, just starting out and it's all on you, I can completely understand somebody doing work that they don't like, which that yep. that might speak to the point of 
the best time to start your lawn care company, if you're interested in it, is when you don't need that income so that mm-hmm. you can do it part time. You can learn the ropes that you're never forced into taking work that you don't want to do so that you can, you know, put all the money right back into the business. But I did just want to add that one uh, stipulation real quick in case somebody said, you know, like couldn't feel like they related to me because of that, that issue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I always, um, in the podcast throughout, um, you know, the episodes that I've done, I always say that to people is, you know, when you're starting out, you're going to be taking on every job everywhere. I used to drive all over the city. I used to, you know, take on all sorts of stuff, do the crappiest of of yards out there with, you know, big dips and holes from pets and dogs that would dig up the yard and then the grass would grow over and your mower would be bouncing all over the place. And I would be there every week doing them. And just as the business grew and as the, um, you know, I started getting more and more work um, and not, and like I say, having a wife that has uh, a job that covers all of the bills and, and uh, all of the, um, you know, uh, what's it called? Um, like medical sort of uh, expenses, all that sort of stuff. You know, you have that freedom, but I also always tell people that you have to take everything that I'm saying um, uh, with a grain of salt and remember where, where I'm working, what's, you know, everything I say, it may not work for you. It works for me. Um, and I may make it sound easy going into lawn care business and stuff, but that's because of who I am and my life experiences. When I got to this point, it is easy for me, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy for you. Yes. You could be, you know, I had a person who was following the podcast and they were thanking me for all their information. They were, uh, had an engineering job. Um, and, uh, they emailed me saying, you know, I'm unhappy. I make a hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm unhappy at my engineering job. Um, I think I'm going to quit and go into lawn care because of your podcast. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Throw the bricks on there, mister. <laughs> yeah. Put on the brakes. I said, you know what? You may not like it. I said, don't quit your job. Do it part time. Get a feel for it and all that sort of stuff. And uh, he was going through the steps. He bought an enclosed trailer. He bought, he was doing everything right. He watched one of my YouTube videos on how to build a website from scratch. He'd never done it before. He built his company website. He was getting calls coming in from Google. Everything was going. And then all of a sudden, I noticed his Instagram account disappeared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of strange. Um, so then uh, I contacted him, I emailed him and said, uh, so uh, what's going on? Your uh, Instagram account uh, has disappeared. And he said, you know what? I have so much respect for you contractors. Um, he says, after all these months, I've realized that lawn care is not for mm. me, that, uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's, he says, I'm worn out. And he says, it's doing the lawn care in the evenings and the weekends has reinvigorated my love for engineering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, fun, funny yeah. how an air conditioned building looks a lot better after you yeah. do this for a summer or two. Yeah. So your advice there, you know, I'm just making sure people kind of get that point. Uh, it really, uh, you know, hits home. I've seen that before and I always try to make it clear that, Hey, you know what? Don't follow Cause I get those emails all the time where people are like, because of your podcast, because, and it's like, don't, take my podcast as gospel. Mm-hmm. Listen to everybody because it's all different situations. It's all different experiences. Take, you know, what you hear from me, what you see from your YouTube channel, um, from, you know, all over the web, 
kind of put it together, but you're going to have to find your own way um, through it and see if it's, uh, you know, if it's right for you. Right. Um, so next question here that I have for you is, is your lawn care business, uh, do you just do lawn care or do you offer any other services like power washing, window cleaning, that sort of stuff? So initially I got my licensing for the state of Florida for fertilizer and pesticide right out of the gate. Um, but what I found is that really the only thing that a, a lot of people ask me for was applying uh, either weed and feed or some type of um, herbicide to their yard, to the turf. And that is actually not something that you can do in Florida unless you have a pest control operator's license. So, okay. you know, people like, um, I'm trying to think of some names people might recognize, but, you know, it's all regional. So any pest control, Southeast Fumigation, uh, McCall's Pest Service, those are really the only kind of people who can, you know, if your yard's full of dandelions or whatever kind of thistle you've got, they're the only ones who can spray that yard. You know, you see the guys with the trucks and the sprayers. So what I could do was not what people were asking for. So very quickly, the, the fertilizer and the uh, pesticides, that kind of thing kind of flew out the window. Um, so when I first started in my first year, it was with the idea of doing total lawn maintenance, but it really was just lawn care. Now I'll do, uh, landscaping. So I'll do stuff like, you know, tear up flower beds and put new stuff down, new mulch. I've done some of that. One of the things that I'm really looking to get started on this upcoming year is landscape lighting, because I feel like the, the more, uh, and this isn't just, you know, my thought process, this is, how the world works, but the more specialized your skill set, the more you're able to charge for your time, right? They they give that old story about, and I don't even know if it's true, but about the guy who designed the, the nuclear reactor and uh, something was going wrong with it and nobody could figure out what was going on. So they actually had to fly this guy who had designed it out to the nuclear reactor. And, and you know, he, he looked at everything that was going on, all the warning labels and the schematics, and he went over and pushed one button and no open up, you know, some valve or fuel tank that let everything cool down and disaster was averted. And so he goes to submit a bill for him and it was, it was a hundred thousand dollars. And they said, this is ridiculous. You know, you were here for five minutes. We're not going to pay you for this. And he says, well, I may have been only here for five minutes, but, and you know, so he he rewrites the estimate. So being here for five minutes worth of time, $5, knowing which button to press $999,995. So it's, it's the knowledge that you have that's going to allow you to command more income, you know, when you look at your industry as a whole. And I think landscape lighting might be something that'll lend itself to, you know, the amount of time I have, the skill set that I have, the employee base that I have, which is just me, you know, things like sod installs. I've never even tried to get into that because that is, I wouldn't be a good value for somebody. That's a job where mm-hmm. a company who's got, you know, four or five guys who are happy working for 10 to $15 an hour. And I, I don't mean to say that there's anything wrong with that if that's the situation someone's in as an employee. But, you know, just looking at the economics of it, you know, there's no way I could compete if it's just me out there trying to lay, you know, three or four pallets aside. So there's a lot of stuff that I haven't gotten into that I know most people try to just because it's just me and and I try and focus on what kind of jobs am I most likely to get hired for. Yeah. I think um, a key with being 
uh, a single owner operator is efficiency. Yes. Uh, and um, like, you know, if I'm doing uh, throughout the years, I've tried refining parts of my business to make it more efficient. Things like um, implementing, uh, you know, on my website, having, you know, the free estimates and stuff because people would call, they leave a message and just the amount of time it takes to, uh, because I would, during mowing, I don't hear the phone ring. Um, I don't feel the vibration. Uh, so then, you know, I finish a job and there's uh, messages and a lot of times people are mumbling or they're talking too fast and you're having to replay these messages to take notes down on their phone number. Um, you know, then you're having to call them to get their address, to figure out what they want and stuff. So I started refining it to, um, you know, having free estimates on the website where people go to the website, they enter their information. I have a little questionnaire of, you know, what job are you interested in? Um, are you, and then this year I refined it even further into, uh, just saying straight out that, Hey, leave your information here. We'll swing by your property, have a look at it, and we'll give you an estimate within seven days. Um, and that just allowed me time to, if their um, address was in a location that maybe I had just serviced the day prior, I wouldn't have to drive all the way over there again. I could wait and have the luxury of that seven days to just check it the day that I was mowing properties in that area. Um, but I would, uh, you know, do question like, if we're coming to do a, an estimate and it requires going into your backyard, is the backyard uh, is there a gate in the backyard? Uh, is it locked? Um, yes or no. Uh, if we show up in the middle of the day and go into your backyard, do you have pets? Uh, is there a dog running around the backyard during the day? Yes or no, right? And just made it so that people were basically giving us their address, telling us what they want, and basically giving us permission right there to come onto their property within that seven-day period to look at the lawn and then email them an estimate. And it just saved so much time um, and just added to that efficiency to be able to being as a, like I said, a single owner operator, I'm not wasting all this time on the phone, talking to people, going, um, back and forth to people's properties on a daily basis after I've just mowed in that neighborhood and now having to go back, um, just always playing with efficiency right down to route scheduling where, um, I found over the years where I'll plan, even though a house may be closer to me than the next house, I may hit it on the way back because of the side of the street that it's on and where I park and where the trailer door opens just for efficiency so that I'm not having to cross the street with equipment. Um, if I'm coming back in that direction and can park on that side of the street that is with uh, the same side of the house. So efficiency, I think, is just um, a key thing um, when you're and doing jobs, like you said, sod and stuff like that, or quoting jobs that you haven't done just takes up so much time and the research and all that sort of stuff that you become um more uh, hesitant to do that sort of stuff. Right. And that, that efficiency is important. And so like another thing that I do is uh, irrigation repair, not necessarily design and installation, because again, that's something that, that I'm not going to be a good value for if it's just me trying to install it for yep. the whole yard. But what I will do is as I get those lawn care customers, you know, they're in these cookie cutter neighborhoods that all have the same kind of irrigation system and you get to know them kind of like the back of your hand as far as how the people who yep. put them in, where the zones are and all that stuff. So it is something where when I'm building that relationship, I'll also say, uh, hey, you know, here's some other things I can do for you if your sprinkler systems ever mess up or if any of the heads are broken. Let me know and I'll fix those for you, too. But that 
to me, in my experience, is more efficient than just kind of broadcasting to the world that, hey, I do irrigation repair, because then I might have some random person from uh, 15 or 20 minutes away call me for a repair. And, you know, at that point, when you're driving that far and you look at the round trip, it's really not worth it. So it's 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 a lot better yes. if you can hammer that home to your existing customers that are in that, you know, whatever kind of perimeter you've defined as as what's ideal for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, a, a big key to it too, too. Like I said, in the beginning, when I started my business, I can relate to most people in the fact that I was driving all over the place, you know, like say 15, 20 minutes to go do a single, you know, $30 lawn mow and then driving back. And it's like, you're not making any money at the end of the year. <laughs> I remember my first few years, you know, I would do my taxes and stuff and be like, Wow, I could have worked at McDonald's for more, <laughs> for more money than uh, and I, I would have got an employee discount too on the yeah, food. There, yeah, <laughs> there you go. And I spent half my lunches there anyway. So, yeah. so, <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah, you just really got to hammer down on that. This year was nice. I met a few people um, that recognize me from YouTube or from uh, uh, the podcast and stuff, and. Uh, found out that they worked in the area just outside of the area that I work in. Um, so all the calls that I was getting from my business that were outside that area, I would tell the customer, Hey, you know, I can't do it. We're, you know, that's out of my area, but I know somebody that may, and I would contact those guys and say, Hey, are you looking for work? I can send you, you know, quote just down, you know, in your, uh, the area that you're servicing. So, so I was handing off work, um, to these, uh, guys that I had met, uh, and uh, it was actually uh, pretty good because I was like, I'm still helping the customer um, and providing that value to them because they did call me there. Um, you know, obviously there's something about either my business or website or something that they liked uh, that attracted them, but I can't service them. Um, so maybe this is, um, uh, you know, a way that I can continue uh, to help service them and uh, just continue to, uh, you know, help them out by passing on that work to somebody else so that they don't have to go and look for uh, somebody from scratch. It's kind of like a, you know, just a recommendation and sort of stuff. So that uh, worked out uh, pretty well. Um, so the next question is one that people uh, usually have to maybe take a moment to think about. Um, and that is share with us a time you struggled in your business and what you learned or did to overcome it. Oh man, I've got plenty of those. I think I think maybe I've got training from people asking me this and in some other social media okay, channels. There there's there's tons of them. Um I remember the very first job I did, I had my uh homeowner uh push mower because it just so happened that um, it, that was like on a Friday and that Saturday was when I was supposed to go pick up my, uh, zero turn mower. So I was like, oh, this will be okay. You know, I'll just go do this, this one job with the push mower. And, um, the, the mechanism for raising and, and lowering the wheels was, uh, for the front was a, a metal tab that, you know, you would pull out and move, but, it was very old and weak. So what happened was this guy had a lot of uh, roots on his yard that I didn't have on mine. And every time I'd run over them, it would knock the deck down because, you know, it would bounce that little metal piece and it would pop it out. So when this first happened, I scalped a section of his yard because I didn't realize what was happening. So for the rest of the yard, I had to pretty much like push down on the back of it and hold 
the whole weight of it because it kept falling down. So that was one thing that cemented in my mind having the right equipment for the job. And that mm-hmm. was the very first job I was doing for money. And I was like, this is the worst start to a business that could ever possibly <laughs> be done. And then, um, so that was kind of the first one. And then there's been challenges all throughout. I remember I, uh, you know, going through my first year, it was kind of, you know, where you almost feel bad for telling people no when you haven't kind of learned that lesson that we talked about earlier. So there's a, in an equestrian community, everybody's got these uh, two acre or greater plots and they're all stuck between, or uh, not stuck, but they're all cut up into front and back acres. So, you know, you've got your horse on the back acreage and then your house and your outbuildings on the front. Okay. And two acres is a lot more than I should have been doing on a residential 36 inch zero turn. But, you know, me not knowing any better, I say, yeah, let me go ahead and do it. My rear end was numb. Like I I convinced (laughs) myself at the end of it because of the condition of the yard. The front acre was really nice. And then the back was just all like you were talking about potholes and sticks I had to pick up. And but I was bounced around and beat up so much. And then, you know, the fencing is a kind of a figure eight. You know, it's it's a square in in each of those acres. So I've got my residential grade string trimmer and my hands, I can't feel my hands at the end of this <laughs> hour and a half of string trimming. So just, just things like that, that, you know, it's kind of like those are instances where you think is, is this really what I want to be doing? But of course it is. You just have to modify your expectations and, you know, those kind of situations, let me know, okay, I don't like push mowing. I'm never going to push mow. So I've got to get good equipment that can hold up to it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the yard that was two acres, okay, I need to stop taking these big yards because the time I spend on them and beating myself up, it doesn't make me happy and it's not worth it. So I think that might be the key is, and, you know, this kind of a common theme. This isn't some grand revelation on my part, but if you can take those uh, horrible times or those times where you're just like, this is, ridiculous i don't know why i'm doing this and find some kind of a learning point that's when you'll be able to to keep going and and stick with whatever you're doing yeah well said very well said um so next question here that i have is in what ways do you market your business and maybe share your number one marketing tip i the first thing i did was a google my business account because to me that's the most visible um i live in a a rural area. So yes, there are some older populations who still like to see paper ads in the newspaper, but uh, the neighborhoods that I'm looking to get into are primarily going to be younger people who internet is you know going to be the main thing that, that they're looking for. So Google mm-hmm. My Business was the obvious first choice. I know personally for me, I like to do business with someone who has a website. So that was important for me to get set up. So I've just got uh, a free Wix website and you know, I don't have any affiliation with them. So um, it I don't even give out my email address because because it's a free account. It's something silly like coppercreekcuts.wixsite backslash coppercreekcuts. You know, something that you, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. tell anybody. But <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. important to have because if somebody searches Lawn Care McClenny, Florida, it doesn't matter that it's not coppercreekcuts.com, you know, having the website to capture, it's the important thing. Or if they do search my name directly, Copper Creek Cuts, you know, then they'll pop up there. Uh, So those were the first two things I did. 
afterwards, I found that there was a lot of people who like doing stuff on Facebook. So I set up a Facebook business page and, you know, to get capture reviews mainly is the main thing. I'm not very active on it, but it's important because there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there are some local uh, either yard sale groups or just local information groups where people will sometimes post, does anyone have suggestion for lawn care or, hey, I need someone to mow my lawn. So it's very convenient to just type in Copper Creek Cuts and, you know, have that suggestion load for my page. And then they've got the social proof of, oh, hey, he's got, you know, seven reviews and they're all five stars, that kind of a thing. So Facebook was something that I added after. And I haven't done it uh, as frequently as we've gotten out of the summer in spring, but I've got postcards that I will mail to specific neighborhoods that I want to try and and get more houses in. Because, you know, we talked about efficiency, and over the the two years I've discovered that the yards that work best for me, uh, the ones that I'm most competitive in when it comes to price are going to be yards that are like two – uh, you know, a quarter of an acre or less. And we've got several of those neighborhoods just within five minutes of me. So I'll do some direct okay. mailing to them. I, I don't get a ton of response from those, but, but you know, it is enough that it's, it's justified the cost of it. Okay. Those are probably the main things that I do. Um, I don't do anything in paper or print. Uh, don't do anything on the local newspaper websites, no banner ads or anything like that. I did a Facebook, Excuse me. I did a Facebook um, boosted post or or an ad there for a little while and tried that. And I did get I don't know if it was because of that, because I neglected to ask, but I just ran it for like a week or so and did get somebody from Facebook who contacted me. And like I said, I didn't do enough work to figure out if that was because of the ad or just coincidence. But those are probably Mm -hmm. the main ways. Yeah, yeah. I always feel um, I did a. uh newspaper ad uh once and uh it was you know crazy expensive for the size of the yes. ad um and you know it was like a three month thing uh and uh i got one call that didn't <laughs> even turn into a job mm-hmm. um and that was the first year in business like uh well first year i went on my own um after leaving uh, the franchise that i was in so that was about uh eight or nine years ago and uh, I only did it the one time for three months. Um, like I said, it only resulted in one call for basically a price shopper. Um, and they have called me every year since <laughs> seeing if I want to put my ad in. And I'm like, no, I don't. And I keep explaining to them, you know, I did it for three months. I got one call. I do the Google My Business. It's free. And I get, you know, six, seven, eight calls a week. Um you know, even during the slow period. So it's like, why would I pay to, <laughs> to do that? I, I, so I feel sorry for these newspapers because it's like, man, that's kind of going out of style yeah. um, for that sort of stuff. Um, so one of the most common questions that I get in my business is, uh, and this is going to be different for you because uh, of where you're at, but it's what do I do in the winter? So is there a winter or off season in your business? And if so, what do you do in the winter? Yes. So uh, contrary to popular belief, all of Florida is not like Miami. We're we're Northeast and, you know, I I might as well be South Georgia. I think I've said before. Um, So things slow down in October and then you're not doing much November, December, January, February. Uh, And then when it kicks off in March, it's really dependent on the weather. So like last year, uh, 2000. Was it's two thousand? No, the two thousand sixteen. Um, 
it was very, very slow to start because we, we were in drought conditions and there just wasn't any rain. But so we do have a couple of months where, you know, the work isn't there as much. As far as what to do, again, since I don't depend on this income to pay bills, I've been very fortunate that there's no pressure on me. But at the same time, I do want to stay busy just for my own, you know, mental health. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons I'm looking at starting landscape lighting, because I think that that would be a, a good thing to, you know, during the holidays, I feel like people pay more attention to the lighting aspect of their house. So they might be yeah. in a more receptive frame of mind for uh, just regular landscape lighting, especially okay. if, if they're, you know, they've seen how nice their house and neighborhood looks with everything they put up. So I, that's just my thought. I don't know if that's true or not, but I do feel like that would be a time of year that would lend itself to getting more yeses from people. Uh, mm-hmm. Pressure washing would be another good one. I I have done that once or twice just for people who ask. Uh, I'm not, yeah. you know, very skilled at it, so I don't do any kind of housework. I just say, you know, all I do is your driveways and your sidewalks. Those are those are fairly difficult to mess up. So um, yes, yeah. So I did that once or twice. I wouldn't mind doing that more, but um, it is a little bit. And maybe I just don't know the technique, but it is a little bit more difficult work because you're in contact with the the hose and the the gun that are shooting out, you know, a lot of high pressure stuff. Yeah. So as far as beating your body up, it's one of those that's, that's a, to me, a little bit higher up there than mowing. Um, mm-hmm. And then irrigation repair, you know, they're not using their irrigation systems very much during those that time. So if you've got people who, like, for instance, I was walking around somebody's house that I was going to mow for and I hadn't been there and you know they do it themselves most of the time but i think they just had family coming in so i walked around the yard to do stick check hoses make sure you know they they were put away so i wouldn't run over them and i found that um several of their sprinkler heads i think they messed them up whenever they were mowing themselves so that's a good time of year to say hey if you want to go ahead and knock this out now while i've got time it'll be cheaper because you know my time's not in as much demand and you'll be ready to go when spring comes around so those would kind of be the ones around my area that i would that i would look at all right um so what are your uh, future goals or plans for your business so i would really just like to keep you know like i said a lot is dependent on my timing with the kids and my son will be starting school next year. So that'll help. But, you know, still during the summer, I, I can't, I can't like book work for Monday to Friday from the time that they're in school. Cause once summer vacation hits, you know, they still need to be taken care of. They're not quite to the age where they can sit at home. So at least for the time being, it's to just fill the available time that I have until, you know, they're old enough that they can either start helping me or stay home on their own. Um, once I get to that point, then I can kind of expand past the three or four day work week that I've kind of been bottlenecked at. But it is something where I would, you know, if they don't want to, I don't necessarily know if I would force them to, but I do think a, a neat part of, like I said, being there for your for your kids is really important to me. So if they mm-hmm. would work alongside me at least for a summer or two, so I could kind of, you know, teach them about how money works and how certain things about economics and try and instill a work ethic in them, that kind of thing, that would be really nice. And that would be the long term goal is to have it where, you know, we're all able to spend time together working as a family in that business. Whether or not that'll pan out is going to depend a lot on them and their attitudes. And, you know, who knows what that many years down the road has. But um, then the next thing would be if 
you know, again, it's it's dependent on them getting to an age where I'm able to be out a little bit more. But if if five or ten years down the road we are able to pay off uh, our house mortgage, which is our biggest monthly expense, that's your biggest draw on cash flow. Mm-hmm. That might open up the possibility of my wife dropping down to something part-time, which would be really nice for her and if she can still retain those benefits. Because that's the biggest thing when we've looked at at if it ever makes sense for her to, to stop working. when you when you when And she works for Florida Blue, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Florida, which gives great benefits. And when you quantify those and you put a dollar amount on them, you know, you're looking at twenty or $30,000 that you'd have to make up that you know, is not part of her paycheck, but it's part of her compensation. So that, that Mm -hmm. really wouldn't be something that we'd want to do, you know, have her drop off and lose those benefits. But if we could, um, lighten up the requirements of cash flow. It could be something where in the future she would she would be able to uh, to you know drop down part time and have more time with the family. So again, those goals are kind of based okay. around um, what our values are concerning the family unit, that kind of thing. Okay, <clears throat> okay. So I'm going to shift gears a bit here and go uh, into uh, what we mentioned a bit earlier with your YouTube channel. Um, so you've got this uh, very successful YouTube channel. I've been watching a bunch of your videos lately, uh, and one of the things that actually um, shocked me um, this morning, I went to the About page and saw that you've only been really um, doing this YouTube channel for just over a year now. Uh, and you've got, uh, 10,535 subscribers as of this morning. Um, so what attracted you or made you want to start a YouTube channel, um, in the first place? So that's, uh, I got a lot of inspiration and knowledge, like we talked about for starting my own lawn care business, um, from YouTube. And so always from the beginning, it would be like, you know, it'd be really nice if, if, uh, I could do this at one point in time. And there's actually a fella, uh, his name is Chris, Chris Hathcox. He's out in the panhandle of Florida with Chris's yard service. He's got a, a YouTube channel and he's one of the first ones I found. And, you know, I'd comment and, and he was a big driving force in getting me started because every time I'd say, you know, this was great work. Thanks for posting it, man. And, you know, in the course of conversation, he knew that I was starting a business. He said, you need to do it. You need to, every time I said something about how neat it was watching his videos, he'd always say, no, you need to do it, man. I'd be like, no, no, I can't. That's that's for mm-hmm. you to do. I can't do that. And he's like, no, you can do it. You can do it. So uh, at first it just started off with, you know, the before and afters of, of the work to try and build something as a portfolio for customers. Because what I felt okay. was that since I didn't really know anything about the business, I didn't have much to offer. Um, and so I, I felt reluctant to even start, you know, I don't want to anybody to think like I'm trying to tell them what to do and I don't have any experience myself. So that was a bit of a discouragement to me. And I feel like some of the people who I've talked to since starting my own channel and they want to do the same thing, that's kind of the the obstacle they have too. It's like, well, why, you know, you look at somebody who's got uh, like Brian from Top Notch, he's got 50,000 subscribers and hundreds of videos. And it's like, well, I'm never going to do anything as good as him. So why even start? But, and that's kind of what I got hung up on too, but it's not, it's not about comparing yourself to others. It's just, you know, putting your stuff out there and and people like it. So that's kind of what got me interested in starting it. 
Awesome. Yeah, I find that too with um, compare, the comparing yourself to others. That's probably one of the biggest uh, things that people do. Um, I'll find at times, uh, like for me, the YouTube is a struggle. It's just the whole being in front of the camera. I'm very much still uh, in the experimentation stage and I've been doing it for three years, uh, but not consistently. You know, I would do a video here and then months would go by and then do another video. Then I would get little spurts of doing videos and stuff and, and just seeing, um, just trying different things and not being quite comfortable i see how comfortable you are in front of the camera i'm like man like how's this guy you know do it so it's so effortless looking your videos are very um professional very corporate almost i would say but then every now and then jim jimerson pops out (laughs) talk to us about jim jimerson (laughs) That was just a silly idea. Jim Jimerson is me with a dollar store mustache on. And basically, you know, one of the fun things about having a YouTube channel is you get to experiment uh, with different things. So I thought it would be funny to to kind of ha- the, the premise for the skit was having an interview with a low baller. And, you know, so I sat down on one side of the room to interview Jim Jimerson, which was just me on another camera shop and then spliced them together. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the idea being that, he would try and speak to these, these, uh, business terms like profit margin and overhead. And, you know, he'd try real hard to sound intellectual about them, but he really had no clue what they meant. So, you know, he'd give some goofball responses, <laughs> but yeah. So anyways, that, that was a 10 minute video that I think I spent three or four of my hours of my life editing on that I'll never get back, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was worth it. A lot of people do really like Jim Jimerson. I, I, I'm trying to figure out a way to, uh, to bring him back in and incorporate him, and I've got some ideas. But. Yeah, that's very. <laughs> it was very funny watching. That. I was like, "That's so funny." <laughs> I kept thinking every time I was looking at you. I kept thinking of like uh, Mario or Luigi from Mario Bros. Yeah, I did have. <laughs> I had a red cap on and the big mustache. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I thought that was hilarious. But it's funny how you go from. Like I said, the very corporate, and then you went into that, and I was like, "Wow!" Like you're so comfortable to be able to do something like that. Most people would be, um, you know, so timid or scared. Like I could not do something like that. It would just take forever. Yet when I'm at home with my kids, I'm the biggest right. goofball. I'm, you know, stuff. But to do it on camera or something like that. Well, like, and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily want people to feel like I've got, you know, some special gift or I was born with or something. I've I've had a lot of practice, especially in my working career with public speaking and, and being in front of people. And, you know, n- there wasn't a ton of camera work in that, but there was a couple of times where, uh, you know, Blue Cross and Blue Shield was doing some intranet video and and I was a part of whatever group was helping produce that and doing some interviews and um but the point is that it was just because I've had a lot of practice and it's something that anybody can do it's just it's just a practice thing and that the more you're in front of that camera the more natural it feels uh, you know eventually you don't you aren't afraid to look right in the camera lens. You don't feel weird about it anymore. Well, maybe you still feel weird about it, but you're able to do it, right? You're able to just to just get over mm-hmm. it and do it. So it's it's just something that anybody, yeah, yeah. I'm confident anybody can do it. It's just something that you've got to do uh, for for a certain amount of time before you really start feeling comfortable with it. So how do you get over the, um, like a lot of your videos, it looks like you're out on your front street. 
um, in front of your truck and stuff. And I'm assuming that you don't live uh, by yourself on <laughs> a thousand acres, that there's neighbors around and, and stuff like that. How do you get over that part? Because that part for me is like anytime I try to do a video with anybody, you can just see my body language and my voice gets uh -huh. really quiet and I don't want people to hear me and all that stuff. And it's funny, uh, like most of my neighbors don't even, uh, and friends and family don't even know I do the podcast and things like that because I'm so quiet and shy and, and introverted about it all. But I did tell one of my neighbors and he took me by surprise the other week because I, I was outside and he apparently followed my Instagram account and stuff. And he asked me how my trip to Chicago was when we went for that UAG at Echo. And I was like, <laughs> how did what? you know that, Larry? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, then I forget, and I was like, oh, darn it. I told him. <laughs> so how do you get over that? Like just in front of your neighbors in your neighborhood doing I, a video So like part that. of this might just be my personality, but I've never had um, – a very high tolerance for shame. I don't, I don't mind making a fool out of myself or if, you know, people think weird of me. So part of it is that I just don't necessarily mind. The other part is once they know, like the, the, the most nerve wracking part is when you first do it. But once you, once, you know, they're going yeah. out to pick up their kids at the same time, you're out in the front lawn shooting a film and they look at you weird and you're just like, Oh, I'm just making a video. You know, after that, the cat's out of the bag and it's not as embarrassing anymore. Now I will say that like if somebody's out in the yard doing something, I'll, that may not be the best time to shoot the film, you know, just out of for sake of looking weird. And also, you know, you've got your audio quality issues that you worry about if their background noise is going to get picked up. But, but honestly, it's just one of those things, just like feeling comfortable in front of the camera that it's just one of those things that at least initially you've just got to swallow and just do it. And it, it does get easier with time. I've also, uh, a lot of my videos are me uh, filming the work on other people's yards that I do. And that's something where once you get over that, you know, filming on your own property doesn't seem quite as daunting because at least those are your neighbors that, you know, have some semblance of who you are versus complete random people in a, in another neighborhood that you don't know if they're going to call the cops on you or something like there's this guy staking out this house with a camera and it, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you, uh, with your customer properties, do you, um, ask them for permission first or do you just mention i know some guys have said that they just say that um when they're quoting and stuff they just say hey from time to time we film on properties for um social media marketing um and yeah so it's it's one of those things where i def I, I just my default is to film on a yard if anyone ever asks why that I, I say I make training videos that I'll put on YouTube sometimes. But the other thing that is a very real concern for me is liability. Mm -hmm. So especially on those first overgrown cuts, yeah. I want proof that I was at their property so that if they try and stiff me on a, you know, normally they're not this expensive, but if it's ever a two or a $300 cleanup, yeah. I want proof that I was there. They could just say, no, he was never there. Yeah. And, you know, I don't have a fleet of trucks on GPS. So that video of me doing the work on their yard is one way to prove it. Also, if somebody tries to come up and say, well, you know, you you ran over my AC and now I need $6,000. Mm. Not, not trying to say that I've got a cynical attitude, but at the same point, if somebody is likely to try that, it's going to be 
someone you haven't used before or someone you haven't visited before, it's going to be those overgrown properties that, you know, they're just getting done for the first yes, time. Yes. So it's a, it's a liability thing too, where I try and protect myself until I can understand that, that this isn't a person who's, uh, who doesn't have my interests at heart and they aren't trying to, you know, rip me off or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So it's just default. I'll have it on when I go quote a property. I always, I always have my camera with me and, you know, I'll do a little joke about, I don't know if you've heard that saying a short pencil is better than a long memory. Well, this, this camera is the digital equivalent of that, right? So I'm going to walk around your yard, um, take some, some footage of it. And then at home, I've got software that lets me measure everything. And from there, I'll be able to email you an estimate. So everybody I interact with right off the bat, they know that I use a camera at the very least for estimating. Mm -hmm. Um, and I never really have any kind of pushback with, with people okay. having their stuff, you know, I would try and make sure and hide any of their specifics that they might feel uncomfortable with, but I don't ever have any yeah. issues with it. I guess uh, more and more, it's getting more um, accepted. Like you see just the adoption of uh, dash cams nowadays. Oh yes. Um, and, you know, so I guess, you know, it's sort of just the, the way we're the times that we live in. So uh, down to the last two questions. Um, the first is another one that I really like asking everybody, and that is um, share your best piece of advice with somebody wanting to start a lawn care business. Now, I want you to think of this as this person coming to you is someone that you know, someone that you want uh, you know, you have their best interests at heart. You only want to see them succeed. Um, what would you tell them about starting a lawn care business? Well, I get to cheat on this one because we already talked about it a little bit, but it, it really is the best piece of advice that I could give is to start that business when you do not need that income. Because if you do, if you rely on that money and like, you know, your example, the guy who was going to quit his engineering job, what you're going to find is it puts you in that position where you have to take each and every job that comes along, no matter, you know, how poorly you price it or how horrible it is or, or how much it beats up your body. And the other thing is that if you're supporting yourself or your family on that money, that's going to make it very hard for you to upgrade your business and make things more efficient. So, you know, if you start off with a push mower and you start paying bills with that, you may not be able to for a very long time upgrade to a zero turn or something. Whereas if you do it part time, if you do it and all the money that you make goes right back into the business, then you're going to be in a much better position, not only to figure out, you know, how to handle this business, but also reinvest in it to make it easier and more efficient for yourself. Okay. Yeah. Sounds uh, like great advice. So last question, and that is how can people find you um, if they want to uh, follow you? What are your social media channels? Sure. So if anybody wants to follow me, they can do so at Copper Creek Cuts. That's the Instagram, which is much newer. I just started that this year. I haven't quite figured out the formula for success for on that one. So it's not as popular as my YouTube. Uh, and then YouTube is going to be the other big one. That's Copper Creek Cuts as well. All right. Perfect. So thank you very much for uh, taking the time out again uh, to come on to the podcast. I really do appreciate um, you uh, doing that for us. I really enjoyed uh, our conversation today. The pleasure is all mine, sir. Thank you so much for having me on.
So there you have it, Long Care Nation. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview with Brad Bear from Copper Creek Cuts. Brad shared a lot of great insight into his business, and I want to take the opportunity to thank Brad once again for taking time out of his day to come do an interview episode with me here on the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. Make sure you guys are following Brad on his Instagram at Copper Creek Cuts as well as subscribed to his YouTube channel, again, at Copper Creek Cuts. I'll leave links in the podcast show notes to both his YouTube channel and his Instagram account. So that's it for this week, guys. Uh, Here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business. Bye for now.